Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Sterling Jones of JoJo's Chocolate, the first dark chocolate infused with all-natural protein. Listen as Sterling shares the origin story behind JoJo's with his mother JoJo, who was battling cancer and wanted to combat her sugar cravings. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Sterling Jones of JoJo's. Sterling, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Excited to, excited to chat about JoJo, so thank you. Awesome. Well, I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like? Yeah, so grew up in Mesa, Arizona. Um, yeah, childhood and upbringing. Uh, let's see. So essentially was raised raised a Christian, uh, Christian background, grew up a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, and really grew up in a home. Uh, my dad was a hard worker, so he kind of taught me the discipline. Uh, I always joke, my dad is... A, a man of man of habit, a man of creature. What's that? Creature of habit. Yeah. Creature of habit. Uh, very much. I, I joke sometimes. Almost, almost a robot. We go to the gym in the morning. He gets there at the same time and parks in the same exact parking spot. And <laughs> there'd be there'd be ten open parking spots. My dad, it, same one. But it, it taught me. You know, I, I joke about it, kid. But very much discipline. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we'd be watching a movie at nine fifty-five, and like we're in the middle of the movie, and he turns it off, goes to bed because he's got to be in bed by ten. Like. <laughs> I'm staying up till midnight, no matter what. I got to finish the movie. So, you know, my dad, my dad taught me a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work. Um, you know, very, very much a man of hard work and discipline. My mom, she was the, the, the party, the party animal, always hosting some party. So I, I learned learned a lot of fun and you know dancing in the kitchen with her. Um, and grew up, I was uh, one, the only boy in my family. That's why on, on the back of the packaging it says uh, favorite son. Because uh, I'm the only only boy in the family. I got three older sisters, so grew up with. Uh, I always joke. I grew up with four moms because the three of them always told me what to do, and then I had my had my mom too. So a lot of fun in our household. Uh, grew up playing sports. I uh, when when I get the opportunity to speak at, I go back to BYU occasionally speak, and I I, I say I was definitely not a born entrepreneur. Mm. My dad definitely had the entrepreneurial spirit, and I he worked for a home building company that was very entrepreneurial. And I think that's why he stayed there for so long longer. They're mm. still there because they, they allowed him to be entrepreneurial within a corporate setting. And so he loved yeah. that. So, but just never really talked about entrepreneurship growing up. It was sports um, is what I really loved doing. Um, yeah. And that's what I thought I'd do forever. Um, <laughs> and that didn't quite play out as I had hoped, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it wasn't until I got into school. Um, and also actually I, I uh, had the opportunity to, serve a mission for my church. And I had a, a leader there who kind of instilled a little bit of entrepreneurial. It was kind of the first time I thought of, oh, I could start my own company, really. Like before that, I didn't think that was uh, an option. And so that's when kind of the roots of entrepreneurship were, I'd say, instilled in me uh, and then it, then at school as well. So yeah. that's a little bit about my background and upbringing. Mesa, Arizona is my hometown. So For sure. Awesome. I'd like to kind of dive into that first spark. You said you're on this mission trip uh, that you got this entrepreneurial kind of uh, inspiration. This show is really based off of that entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to kind of dive into that and yeah. where your aspirations led to going into school as well. Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, it really was. So I had this leader. He was actually a dentist. And mm-hmm. so he wasn't, you know, dentists are, you know, entrepreneurs because they have their own business, right? But they yeah. aren't usually business minded. He was a very business-minded dentist. And mm-hmm. so 
he, you know, kind of instilled that, hey, you know, the mission, the American dream is still alive of starting an idea and working yourself out of a job and having a, a team that runs a company for you. And so he would kind of just plant these seeds. We'd we'd go on jogs in the morning and we'd kind of talk about different things, you know. And then one of my, they call it a companion when you're out there, you're always with one other person. So you're not alone. And he was, he was actually very entrepreneurial even before, you know, during call or high school and that. And so he kind of talked about how he wanted to do his own company and things. And so that's when we started talking about it and I go, man, before that, it just was kind of a foreign concept of like, man, the, you could start your own company, sell your own product and kind of build this American dream. And, so that's where it started. And then fortunately, while I was out there, uh, my mom, uh, being the amazing woman she was, and and frankly, being her only boy, she did a lot for me. And so <laughs> she signed me up for my, my classes. I always joke, like I probably would have never gone to college if it wasn't for my mom. Um, mm-hmm. She signed me up for my classes while I was out there on that you know mission and came back and she had signed me up for intro to entrepreneurship, which is kind of interesting because she only signed me up for classes that like, were specifically for a program and that was kind of an elective that didn't really count but i i go to that class when i came back and man my whole world changed and i remember sitting in that class to next one of my buddies and be like dude are you are you feeling this like are you getting what i'm getting out of this class and he'd be like yeah it's cool and i realized okay like this is speaking to me it just the whole idea of creating value finding a problem Mm -hmm at a pain point for somebody and solving that, you know, cause I was very much like, I wanted to solve problems for people. I wanted to do good. I, I truly wanted to make a difference, you know, and yeah. that's why, okay, maybe I'll go into medicine or, you know, and, and then this entrepreneurship class was all about find a pain for somebody, solve it, create enough value and get paid for it and, you know, scale that. Right. And so yeah. that's, that class was my first semester at uh, BYU in Provo, Utah. And, my whole kind of perspective on life changed. I was constantly writing down problems or pains I saw, you know, looking for opportunities. Um, and that's, that's what, and that's what changed. But even still, like during that class, I was headed down the finance route mm-hmm. and I really thought, man, I, I couldn't make that change still. Like I thought finance was what I needed to do. Yeah. And it was because uh, everybody had, me that's what i should do and that's what kind of people around me were doing and if and so anyways i still went down that finance route i got accepted into the finance program but something inside me was like no you're doing the wrong thing <laughs> and so and it was hard because you know frankly when you choose to choose to do the entrepreneurship program at a school or just say hey i'm going to do my own thing like there is no clear path for you right yeah it's essentially like you've got your path planned out if you do finance or accounting just follow step one two three and you get an internship and then you get a job yeah. If you don't do that and you do entrepreneurship or or something, you know, or I'm going to start my own company, there is no path yeah. laid out for you, right? And so that was really hard. And also when you explain that to somebody, you know, the, the questions are like, well, what are you going to do with an entrepreneurship program degree? I, I, I had a, I was actually on a date <laughs> when I had decided, okay, I'm probably going to do entrepreneurship program. I said that to this girl mm-hmm. and she goes, well, what are you going to do with, with that degree, you know? And I said, I'm going to hire you is what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I should have said that. I obviously didn't go out with her again because <laughs> she didn't have the vision. But, you know, that that was the truth. I had yeah. a hard time, like, you know, explaining to people. And so, frankly, I got into the finance program. And I remember there's an ad drop deadline, right? Until if you don't 
change your classes before that date, you get a W on your transcript transcript. Yeah. And I missed the date and I was just devastated. I was like, mm. gosh, I made the wrong decision. So I had to, I went in the next day, I wrote a letter petition to the school to let me switch out of the finance program and do the entrepreneurship program. Wow. So I finally made that decision. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't know what that means. I literally don't know what will come of it, but I knew I had to follow that gut feeling and go after it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I'm curious at this, at this time, what's going through your head, like aspiration wise, did you have an idea of the business um, potential outside of graduation that you would want to start or if you would be employed, what, what was your aspirations going through at this point? That's it. Honestly, nothing. That's a great question. Cause that was kind of the hard part is there yeah. was no, like, I mean, obviously aspiration dreams and vision were like, Oh, I'd love to own my own company one day, build a brand, build a team. Yeah. But I had nothing like no idea yet. I had no. And so that's, what's hard, right? You mm -hmm. literally are saying, I'm going to start something, but I have no idea what that is at this point. So then I just kind of went forward and said, I'm just going to look for opportunities. I'm going to see if there's something sticks out, you know, cause also frankly at that time, besides sports, I didn't really have like, a passion like i wasn't a coder i didn't love tech i i did not like school you know i loved sports and i guess started loving health and fitness and so i was like okay you know so yeah there wasn't really like a vision yet besides yeah. i want to start something i want to i want to own my own company i want to build a team one day yep awesome uh, going on to graduation and prior to JoJo's, did you have any time period here where you're interning or have any other jobs? I, I know there's a very short time or did you go right into JoJo's with your mother? Uh, no. So yeah, my first semester at uh, school, there's this company called Owlet Baby Monitors and they put up like a free internship <laughs> to just get experience at a startup, you know? I was like, all right, I'll go try that out. So I did and, and I mean, internship would be a loose term because it was really like show up in like package boxes and be around the startup environment. Yeah. And I remember being there though, they're in a garage and I, that really was like, wow, okay, this is fun. Um, and it was fun because like it was in September and they say, Hey, we're launching our product in October. And I remember getting all these packages and we're going to send out these, um, gifts to the people who pre-ordered. Then October one came. They said, "Actually, we're going to launch November one." So all of October, kind of doing the same thing. Then November one came. They said, "Ah, uh, we're going to launch December." November, same thing. December came. Ah, uh, we're going to launch sometime next year, right? And so wow. it was fun though, because frankly, like my key takeaway from that, and this is no disrespect to them, I really sat there and go, "Man, these guys are just, you know, a bunch of college kids that." want to start something and frankly they wanted to make a difference now besides the developers like they had a very specific unique skill that i don't yeah. but the other guys were like let's just figure this out and so it gave me that hope honestly of like okay if they can do it i can try right yeah. that's what i hope people see with me too is like all right if this kid like had no background on building a company if he can give it a try like i can too yeah. um the thing i learned though is they had insane amount of grit and perseverance um, and just an ability to push through the setbacks, you know? Sure. And so that's what I learned is like, okay, they're just not willing to give up. They can push through, they can, you know, uh, really keep going even when hard things happen. Yep, amazing. I'd like to kind of get into this time period where uh, you're formulating with your, your mother, the inspiration I know is based off of that relationship. Can you kind of share yeah. the inspiration behind JoJo's and going towards a low sugar kind of a snack. 
Absolutely. Yeah, JoJo's chocolate is, is, is essentially delicious, low-sugar, dark chocolate that was designed to help satisfy sugar cravings. My mom was battling cancer. So right when I started college, um, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And that news is something that just sets you back. Mm. Um, and so she realized, okay, I've got to eat better. You know, if you want to have a chance at fighting cancer, you need to improve your health. That's eating, that's stress, that's physical activity. And so one of those things was cutting out sugar. Mm. Cancer feeds on sugar. And so she said, okay, I love chocolate. I can't give that up, but I'm going to make something that's delicious and low sugar that satisfies my craving. So really for about a year, she made this dark chocolate bark at the time Mm -hmm. that helped satisfy that craving. She added a little bit of protein. She added nuts and dried fruit that helped sweeten it up a little bit. And so when I came home from school that summer is when I was like, okay, I'm looking for opportunities. And I saw her making this and I tried it and thought, wow, like that is really good. It's low sugar, doesn't taste low sugar. It's the perfect in between. You got protein bars, you got candy bars. And so I thought, all right, maybe there's something here. And I was into CrossFit at the time. And so I went back to school and said, hey, come up here. Let's go sell this at a CrossFit competition. Mm. If these health, you know, health uh, conscious consumers would buy it, then maybe we got something. So she flew up to Utah. We set up at a booth, made as much chocolate as we possibly could. (laughs) Started with about $1,000. You know, I had 500. She put she put in like 500 or so. We bought a bought a booth, bought a table, banner, and so forth, and and sold out that wow. weekend. Um, I mean, granted, it was probably not that much of chocolate, but for us, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but we sold it out and thought, hey, maybe we got something. And mainly, it came from these people trying it and going, "Wow, that is mm. so good!" And what it only it only has eight grams of sugar, and there's protein, and that's what we started seeing. And so that's how it, frankly, the idea and the concept was born. My mm. mom had no intention of starting a company. But I saw two things that I wanted to create. I wanted to create a brand around her, mm. you know, somebody who took something so hard and made something good out of it, stayed so optimistic, still had faith and fight and frankly, optimism through it all. Yeah. And then the second reason was America consumes more than two times the recommended amount of sugar. Americans consume 70 grams or something of sugar mm. and the recommended amount is 30 a day. And so that mission came from, okay, let's reduce America's sugar intake by 50%. We want to be a part of that solution. So we say it often, the mission here is to spread love through JoJo's story and help people fight sugar cravings. Wow. Amazing. I'm curious in those uh, early days, it, what, what kind of offerings did you offer? What what specifically was your mother making? Did you bring to that sampling uh, event? Was yeah. it just one flavor line? What was that at start? One flavor. Yeah. I, I still remember the very first little bar that was, it was dark chocolate. There was a little bit of protein, almonds, pistachios, cranberries. That's what we call the original. Uh-huh. And I remember the first guy coming up and paying $1 for this thing. And I thought, oh my gosh, we just made our first sale. <laughs> 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 it cost us a little bit of money to make that $1. But hey, so that was it. We would, we end up packaging, man, it was so ugly. It was a cellophane bag with a sticker on it. Uh, my wife still says, man, I can't believe you sold anything because of how bad it was. <laughs> but we, we didn't know any better, frankly. I, I'm not a designer. I yeah. wish I was. Uh, but yeah, so that's how we got started. Silphane bag, sticker on it. And we put it in little pieces because my mom was literally making it on a cookie sheet tray, yep. you know. So she'd break it up and weigh it in little bags. And so that was our first offering. Wow. Uh, kind of scaling from this point and when you see that feedback from that event, that you know that this might be just something you want to pursue further. Um, what, what was the next step for you guys? Was it packaging, branding? Did you try to explore new flavors? What was that next step that you think took you to the next level? 
Yeah. So it was a little bit until we explored better branding and packaging. It was still like, okay, we got some validation here, but let's continue to validate our people. Yeah. And I think for me, because I frankly had no background on that, I didn't know what channel, like I didn't have a channel strategy. And that's something that I think, you know, uh, made us grow slower because I didn't know where to go. So I went and tried CrossFit gyms. But for us, like, even though the CrossFit competition worked in a gym, people are looking for high protein bars, right? You know, even though this is a healthier snack and it's, but when they see chocolate, they're like, why is that in a gym? You know, we can't fully change the consumer's train of thought yet. So gyms didn't work. Then I tried yoga studios because we also learned our consumer was definitely more like my mom. She, women, you know, um, skewed a little bit older, but trying to cut out sugar. And so I tried yoga studios. I went out to San Francisco and slept in my car and sold to these, you know, yoga studios. But I also learned people don't go to buy, go to yoga studios to buy a bunch of product, right? They go there for the workout, you know, and they may, they may grab a, a shirt or yoga pants, but, and so we weren't selling a ton there. It wasn't until I got onto Amazon because mm-hmm. I had a friend who was just absolutely crushing it on Amazon. And I thought, all right, I'll try, even though it was food. And we started seeing consistent sales. I remember like first week was 50 bucks a day. And then I was like, okay, now we're at a hundred dollars a day. And it was, it was started to grow and there's repeat purchases. And so that's where we started getting momentum because it was, it provided consistent revenue. Mm. And the nice thing with Amazon, obviously you can make the product sell it and get paid and then make another batch. And so yeah. we didn't have to go and buy a bunch for a retailer. So did that for a good year. And then also learned, you know, hey, chocolate needs to be sold in grocery stores. We were selling out of Arizona and trying to ship to the consumers. We'd we'd have to wait till 9 p.m. We'd cool down our car mm. and we'd package with styrofoam and ice and we'd drive to the last USPS that stayed open till 930. And we'd literally throw it on the truck as it went to the airport because it would melt, right? Yeah. And so that wasn't a great business model either. So then in about 2018, we said, hey, we got to focus on retail, figure out how to get in there. Again, no background on what a buyer, like who the buyer is, brokers, margin, all of that. So just figuring that out. Great mentors along the way that helped me. Hmm. And then fortunately, we got an opportunity with Sprouts. You know, they saw the they saw the niche that we were filling in this stand-up pouch that was low sugar, a little bit of protein. And they gave us an opportunity. And so that was our first national retailer. We got 300 stores. And at that point, we finally had a second flavor. And, and so we had two flavors, went to Sprouts, and that was our first go into retail. Amazing. At this point, especially with the retail expansion, were you still making the bars in-house? Or what, what does this model look like at this point? Yeah. No, a good question. We went from my mom's kitchen that first year, but then once we started seeing the consistent revenue online and, and frankly, what happened is we got on a new station here in Utah and we got a hundred orders in one night. And at the time we thought that was massive and, and she couldn't make it in time, you know? And so we found a, a chocolate factory in Salt Lake, Utah, that frankly just did us a favor. They weren't a true co-manufacturer. And so, but I said, Hey, can you make this for us once a month and we'll come pick it up and ship it? Did that for another year. And then once we got into Sprouts, it was like, okay, we need a true contract manufacturer that does this. And so we found one in Idaho. Uh, they did they did a great job. And they were that perfect in-between because they, they had a minimum. And yeah. I knew I could meet that minimum, you know, in four months or so of Amazon sales. So I thought, okay, I'm not I'm not going too far out here that I can't get through all this inventory. Yep. But it but at the same time, it got us a better product. 
a better price and and they did great packaging so mm. we were in that facility uh and then what happened was we went and presented to costco and they loved the item uh they really wanted to lean into this better for you chocolate space and yep. and we were the we were the darkest chocolate and the lowest sugar chocolate at the time in costco and so they gave us an opportunity but fortunately what happened was we presented she said yes and then two weeks later, she the buyer got moved to a different desk. Mm. And so I was devastated at the time because wow. I was like, oh, no, now I got to start over. And the new buyer came in and said, hey, not looking at anything new for six months. So talk to me. And I was just so devastated because we thought we were about to launch. But frankly, it was absolutely a blessing in disguise because we would have never been ready to yeah. ship that much product. So it took another year. And in the time of that year, I learned, okay, how much volume it's going to be. And I found another facility we could go to who, instead of it taking three, four months, five months to make it, mm -hmm. you know, they could do it in a week. And wow. so then we were in a bigger facility at that time. Wow. Amazing. Uh, what did that first Costco um, land look like? How many SKUs did they take? What, what was the product quantity, et cetera? Yeah. So they gave us a 15 building test mm -hmm. and it was still our one main original item the 7 dark chocolate almond pistachio cranberries yep. in a stand-up pouch about a pound of chocolate very similar to items in there which you know they usually somewhere between 15 and 18 ounces of product yep and they gave us the 15 buildings and they ordered two pallets per building because costco has you know a very high threshold of how much they want to sell per week you know it yeah. depends on your your category you're in but it was so big for us so they gave us that 15 building test fortunately a lot of it was in utah so we we got in and we just went absolutely crazy on social media posting doing giveaways to get people in there getting all our friends and family to go in there and then we demoed like crazy so we we also did our own demos they let us get you know five or six of our own people to do the buildings my mom myself my aunt did demos in those buildings and then the ones we couldn't get to we used their demo team and so we demoed heavy out of the gate on on social media just you know getting people to go in and buy it and fortunately we just crushed it uh those 15 buildings and what's wild is those 15 buildings are are bigger than you know 300 retail locations just because wow. of their volume for yeah, building for right sure. And so that was really exciting and they saw the success. And so they said, Hey, if this goes well, we'll give you more. And so after three months, they added, you know, another 10 buildings and they kept ordering. And then after another, you know, a few months, they added another 10 and we got up to about 50 of the buildings in the Northwest region. Mm, wow. Incredible. I'd like to kind of like hear what, what's the percentage of sales through both like your D2C, Amazon, uh, e-commerce store in comparison to retail, is it pretty skewed retail heavy right now? What's it like? Yeah, early on it was definitely D 2 C because we yeah. focused on Amazon, we focused on our website, and at the time we had such little retail, yeah. you know. But once you get into Walmart, Target, and it depends on your business model, but for us, when we got into Walmart, Target, CVS, Costco, Sprouts, it has totally flipped, and it's about eighty percent retail, twenty percent online, you yeah. know. And and for us, that's where we want to we want to be, you know. Now the goal is to keep growing D 2 C so it stays there, right? Yeah at that 80, 20, but you know, when you add a full region of Costco, yeah, it's, it's such a good amount of volume that it takes mm -hmm. a lot of online to keep up with that. For sure. And for us as a chocolate company, uh, we actually are, are better off in retail yeah. due to the cost of shipping and handling and, and, uh, styrofoam and ice. And so yeah. we've really focused on retail. And 
at the end of the day, it's chocolate and people want to just buy that as they're in the grocery store. Right. And so uh, we'll still continue to work on line. We love, I love D2C personally as like a personal passion. Yep. Uh, and Amazon's a great channel as well. The big, the big battle, frankly, with Amazon for us as a chocolate brand in the summer months, you lose the Prime badge, and we all know how important it is to be on Prime. Yeah. Uh, because Amazon doesn't do temperature controlled uh, items in the mm. summer. There's Got there's it. a system you have to go through. That's for another whole call on Amazon Prime and seller fulfilled Prime. But anyways, it's just a lot more expensive. Wow. Um, yeah, doing some of the sampling that you've done in store and then also some of the customer feedback today, what would you say is the main demographic uh, for JoJo's overall? Yeah, still, you know, uh, similar to one we learned early on. It took us a while to finally say, okay, we're leaning in here. But at the end of the day, my mom made this snack. Yeah. She was a woman who had yo-yo dieted, you know, and was tired of saying, okay, I can't eat that. I can't eat that, you know, and and depriving herself of the things that she loved, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, someone similar to my mom, which is typically a woman, usually skews older, maybe 40 and above mm-hmm. who has tried different diets and is tired of, you know, not getting to enjoy the foods that they love and want something to help satisfy those cravings. So the, you know, it's been interesting to come to that conclusion and realize, okay, we, you know, and the great thing about it is we're helping people who feel like, oh, I don't get to enjoy a treat. You yeah. know, I don't get to enjoy this. And so we really want people to feel positive about their foods, you know, have healthy relationships with food and not feel like they're depriving themselves. You know, at the end of the day, we've got to cut out sugar in Americans diet. And so JoJo's enables people to say, hey, I'm yeah, I'm going to cut back on sugar, but I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving up what I love. Yeah. And that's what we solve for people. Amazing. Well, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. Uh, if you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, what would that be? Oh, great question. Uh, I'd say for me, it was it was deciding to, to just start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that word of just start every day, frankly, but like, so often, and it's probably a cliche answer, so often we get an idea, we talk ourselves out of it. We, we f- frankly, fear creeps in and tells us all the reasons why we can't. And for me, yeah. it was, I wasn't a born entrepreneur, right? Everybody, I remember when I switched the entrepreneurship program, people say, oh, well, if you're not, if you're not already an entrepreneur, you never will be, right? I wasn't somebody who sold baseball cards growing up. And so I believe entrepreneurship is something you can learn. Yes, there's definitely similar characteristic traits among entrepreneurs, but not always, you know, there's, there's absolutely skills to learn. So it's a matter of just starting, right? You don't need to be a born entrepreneur. You need to be willing to learn and every day say, Hey, I don't know how to sell on Amazon. I'm just going to start listening to podcasts. I'm just going to start researching it. I don't know how to get into retail. I'm going to just start reaching out to mentors. And so every day, just starting, right? Start on that goal, chase it and do the same thing over and over again. And then, you know, after a year, you'll look back and go, wow, look at how much I've learned. And yep. you just keep going from there. And so a matter of just starting, write down a little goal, go after it. And the next day, do the same thing over and over again. Amazing. Well, Sterling, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out JoJo's Chocolate at jojoschocolate.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.